drinking this week <laughs> i like that it's just like all right now we're down to the serious the real shit yeah well i've got a, a really cool ale this week i've got a shelby ipa i can see you've been waiting to tell me about this you 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 were dead keen to get on it <laughs> yeah well i've got a glass as well which is like tommy shelby shelby company no this is a peaky blinders wankers tipster beer is it all right arthur i'm drinking a, an ipa now <laughs> is there anyone who likes that show that isn't a bellend Wow, that's a bit of a personal attack. I fucking love that show. Well, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, so what have you got? Uh, so I have a selection of ales because, you know, we're possibly going to record an unplugged episode after this. We are. And I had two. I've gone first for the Sunlander. Okay. From Monty's Brewery. Pale Ale, Australian Citrus Hops, 3.7%. And then for afterwards, when shit gets unplugged, I have a classic Bishop's Finger. <laughs> the most inappropriate drink name ever. Oh, it's just always because, you know, the Bishop's like the bell end and the finger. Well, you can do all sorts with the finger. <laughs> you certainly can. Put the two together and wow. what have you got? <laughs> You've got some... Yeah, let's not go into that. Right. So, yeah, the, the reason I did <laughs> the Rock's intro music this week was because uh, we're looking at Doom. I'm st- okay. That's a tenuous link. Can you explain it? Well, oh, he was in the movie. He's okay, in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, so I don't associate the movie with the game. Well, no, you shouldn't either. It's a bad movie. But uh, there was method to my madness. So yeah, Doom. Tom, how much of this have you played this week? All of it. You played all of it. Nice. Not this week. No, not this week. I played all of it recently. Um, I dipped my toes back in to test the water, but I did not play all the way through. All four episode four on Ultimate Doom, which are the, I'm playing on the Switch. Ah, okay. okay. And um, that's essentially the Ultimate Doom port now. It wasn't when it came out. People yeah. were bitching and moaning that there wasn't enough content. It was fucking three ninety nine. <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm not getting enough bang for my buck here. Yeah, one of the greatest games ever fucking made. Um, <laughs> so they added the fourth episode in, but yeah, I played through it all. Nice. Uh, and I recently just jumped back in and played Chapter One. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I should say welcome to that 8-Bit Shit Show. And obviously, uh, yeah, here we are again talking about another brilliant game from Days Gone. Uh, so we are going to look at, into the background and development to this one because um, there's a good good bit of info out there on... I thought it was going to be you know a lot less than, than this. Well, th- I think with Doom, everyone knows... Everyone's played Doom, right? Mm. And you don't need to play the whole game to understand what the whole game is going to be like it doesn't reinvent itself halfway through no it's not one of those types of games is it um but what a lot of people and i think a lot of people know how influential and important it is just from people banging on about it's really important without maybe knowing about the backstory of it and and some of the influences so can i just say we're basically although i played it on switch what we're looking at is the pc port yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not so, the PC port, the PC game. It was fucking developed for PC. Yeah, so we're not looking at any of the stupid SNES ports or or any of the older console sixteen bit ports because they were rubbish. We've gone right back to the uh, the beginnings of this one, looking at the original, as it was designed, original game um, that came out. So it came out in nineteen ninety three, 
um, and was developed by id Software. Hey, I got it right this time, yeah, because on the Unplugged I, I, show, yeah, but you, you were going to refuse. You were like, oh, I'm standing my ground. Well, you st- I stand corrected, id Software. So, yeah, so they developed it for MS DOS originally, um, and it's MS DOS. <laughs> it's been described by you know many people as one of the the games which had a big hand in shaping video games as we see them today. Um, this was the um, first, like, really successful FPS. Really fucking successful. Now, I know there was Wolfenstein, which we'll get into. I know there was that, but this is the one that was, like, what well, really successful. <laughs> <laughs> this turned, <yeah. laughs> like, There's not really any other way of saying it. And I don't just mean in terms of sales, because it was given away for free the majority of the time, but in terms of just raising the popularity and, like, defining that genre. Yeah, we're going to look into the background of that and why that is the case. Because in the you can see in the development of this game why this this p- particular title became such a turning point for these types of games for FPS games. Um, if it, it feels older than ninety three when you play it, doesn't it? Oh, it feels a lot older. Yeah, because I think it's just because Doom's been in our consciousness as like even when I was a kid. Like I think Doom may have only been out a year before it was already like hailed as a classic game. Mm. That's how, how big this like, title it is. Kind of, yeah. It kind of gained legendary status so quickly. Even as a kid, I just felt like it was an old game. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it really did turn the tide. And like looking at the background to it, there's so much uh, that went into the development of this game. So what, what I'd like to do then is, is go right back to the start on this. Um, First, there were a big bang. Dinosaurs <laughs> came. Maybe not quite that far back. <laughs> and God created the world in seven days. He didn't. And Jesus did something. I can't remember. Yeah, something about I don't know. Jesus I'm all screwed. Like any time before about eighty five, I don't really. <laughs> don't really remember. Hmm. Right. So, Doom. Basically, uh, at the at the time Doom was being developed, uh, Nintendo and Mario were sort of dominating the market. Um, early nineties, um, Nintendo was sort of restricting third party devs on its consoles and the type of content that was allowed on there no graphic violence blood gore all that sort of stuff making everyone buy the carts off nintendo <laughs> yeah so it was like they had a, yeah and they had sort of uh, a huge share of the market at that time and i think part of the reason that doom was developed on ms dos was because of the restrictions um that were in place on things like on nintendo um so well, really nintendo wanted... were like they had a real stick up their ass for fun didn't they Mm. Yeah, yeah, and clean fun, good clean fun. Basically, was Nintendo. Yes, yes, missionary all round. <laughs> yeah, well, Mario and Peach. Here. They're not <laughs> Mario and Peach. We're keeping it straight laced. Oh God, I don't really want to think about them boning. It's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice Peach Princess. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, nice a Peach a Princess. Sorry. Let's go back on fucking track here because we're going off in a weird direction. I don't like it. Um, so we're, we're, we're like seven minutes into the Doom podcast and Mario's already fucked Peach Doggy style. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, dear. Right, so I'm, I'm going to go back now and uh, take you through some of the background to where Doom came from. So Softdisk was a company which... Terrible of, name. Terrible, terrible name, yeah. But it does what it says on the tin. Um, they were a company... Soft Discs. <laughs> a lot of uh, id Software's history is in Soft Disk because there's some people... We'll talk about this in a minute, but there's some people who worked at Soft Disk who went on to work at... Uh, and found id Software. So 
Softdisk created magazines in the form of floppy disks, which had written content and gave their users interactive experiences such as games, music, puzzles. Um, That's they, a novel idea, and I did not know that. Yeah, so they, they were kind of like this, so like PC game. Like, the, like the, the, the primitive webzine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, I mean, the first episode didn't have very much content on it. It came out in 1981. Um, but as they sort of developed and got more and more content got released on them and they became bigger and bigger, people had to sort of send their discs back every month in the initial stages to get the new one. It was, it was a strange, strange thing. But uh, yeah, anyway, so this soft disk is basically important in the formation of id Software because it's where John Romero and John Carmack along with some other future key members of id Software, actually met. Um, so Romero and Cormac were making games at this point at uh, Softdisk to be included on the floppy disk releases. Now, one of these games was called Dangerous Dave. <laughs> like, man, anyone, like, not have a mate called Dangerous Dave at some point growing up? Is your dad called Dangerous Dave? No, my dad's a dick. <laughs> dick Dave. <laughs> Dave the Dick. So, yeah, Dangerous Dave. It came out in 1988. Um, we'll do a whole show one week on how much of a dick my dad is. I'll send it to him. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we should. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, D Dangerous Dave. Romero created this to accompany an article on uh, Gra Basic programming language. Have you heard of that, Tom? On what basic? Gra Basic. I was just reading, was just reading something else because you were boring me. No. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I know about the Q basics. I'm not really don't really know much about my programming languages. Well, Dangerous Dave was basically a simple game. It was inspired by Super Mario Bros. You can really see that it's a a game in which players collected gold cups, defeated monsters in simple platforming maps. Have you ever played it? Nope. No, it doesn't look very good. I watched a few videos of it. Yeah, I'm I'm diving in now. Yeah, see, I'm on, I'm on back foot this week. I've been busy doing shit, and I'm learning all about this stuff. Oh, it's an ugly looking game. It's, yeah, it doesn't look good, and it doesn't look. Oh like man, it plays the cover well. the cover art is a direct rip off of Mario Bros. One. Mm -hmm. So he's like jump. He's jumping in the same like style, and it's got the the Mario's block, but it's just red. Yeah, and then it's got some really shit. No, it looks like like some knockoff Japanese pachinko version of fucking Mario Bros. It's terrible. Pretty much what it is. Um, bad bad Carmack Romero. The reason I brought this up, though, is because during the development of Dangerous Dave and some other titles, Carmack, um, he developed a computer graphics technique called Adaptive Tile Refresh. And that allowed for compensation for poor graphic capabilities of PCs and side-scrolling games. And it became a real important uh, tool that they went on to use in Wolfenstein and then in Doom later on. So it was something that he sort of developed during his time at Softdisk that really became important later. Um, so, yeah... On the back of that adaptive tile refresh technique, Romero Carmack and this uh, other dude called Tom Hall, they spent their evenings creating a knockoff version of Super Mario Bros. 3 for the PC, substituting Dangerous Dave for Mario, and they later de dubbed it Dangerous Dave in Copyright Infringement. Which is well, that sounds like an epic adventure. <laughs> yeah. Nintendo would have gone balls deep after him as well, because Nintendo are savage on their copyright. Well, this like... is the thing. They actually sub submitted this to Nintendo as like a let us make Super Mario Bros. 3 sort of thing but nintendo well, said, let, us, let us make mario bros 4 presumably but well we, yeah they yeah it would have been four by that point but, but this isn't said, the first time because if you remember that rare did something a little similar they reverse engineered the famicom mm. then took their like basically that they cracked it apart and built um tech demos within the, the hardware mm. 
is what convinced Nintendo to to bring Rare on as a second party studio. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's not the first time it's been done, but um, they sort of these guys then went sort of rogue because they're approached by another guy, uh, an entrepreneur called Scott Miller, and he encouraged them to, to produce some original titles uh, alongside his company, which is called Apogee Software. So what they did was they worked in secret using soft disk computers, and they produced a side-scrolling game called Commander Keen in 1990. I know Commander Keen. Yeah, it looks all right. I watched a few days of that as well. Yeah, yeah, that's an important game. That's an important game. So they made that for MS-DOS as well, um, and it was a bit of an overnight success, but Softdisk obviously got wind of it and were like, hey, what the fuck? <laughs> that's, that's our stuff you've used there. Uh, they went into a big lawsuit, and basically Romero, Carmack, and Hall agreed to leave the company. And that is when they formed ID, uh, id Software in 1991 so um they founded that and the do you know what it's short for i did oh you've got it here in demand <laughs> i was hoping you weren't going to read that but yeah in demand yeah no no i've heard this before and then i was trying to think of like <laughs> identification <laughs> <laughs> so i wondered if it's something to do with the brain like your, your id or something like that but uh no just in demand like idiot <laughs> Yeah, it's just me. Uh, so they carried on to develop another of other Commander Keen titles, which they released uh, via Shareware. Now, what is Shareware? Well, I'm, yeah, I mentioned this the other week, didn't I? I said, remember when we had. Yeah, I think we, we should talk about more it was about before, it. It was before, well, there's not much to say. It's effectively a, a big demo. Like The term Shareware means that you create something and distribute it free of charge. Mm-hmm. You've heard these different ware terms, vaporware, which never happens, bloatware, which, you know, malware, which is malicious software. Yeah, yeah. So it's something software. So shareware is freely distributed software. What would be quite common, because we, the distribution platforms today are on the internet, so you can just download a demo, buy a game, download it, check it out, whatever. Back then, you couldn't. So you had to find ways of getting the word out a little bit. Now, it was either in written magazines. So, you know, with the console games, you had to wait for Nintendo Power to rock up every month to know what was coming out. Yeah, yeah. Quite. Like, you didn't just go onto IGN or whatever and, and you know, or happyhourgaming.net to get your weekly feed of gaming news. You just So shareware was a way of distributing normally a section. So Doom eventually developed, evolved into being four episodes. It was originally three. But they distributed the first episode completely free of charge, which kind of sounds like giving away a third of the game. It's clever, though, isn't it? Realistic. If you think about it, like it hooks people in because you think you're finished, and all of a sudden it goes, (laughs) do you want more? Yeah, so this would be, you could get it on disc, you could get it normally would come with a magazine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Or you'd pay like a nominal price for the the physical copy, but it wouldn't. You're not paying for like buying the game, as it were. Yeah, see, I remember getting. Well, it like come free with something, or once once Windows ninety five was out and the CD was dominating, then we started getting demo discs that would have shareware on them, and then even after that, people started copying and stuff like that. So it was this idea of that you can't sell something until it's generated a bit of word of mouth buzz. Mm, yeah. And obviously, this was the days before there was this massive online push with advertising. I always thought like I always thought I finished Doom as a kid, and I didn't. Oh, I got nowhere near it as a kid. <laughs> like I could get past the the first, like the first 
world, as it were, has got six or eight levels. It's a big game, like in its in itself, and a lot of replayability. Yeah, because there's a lot of secrets in there, which we'll talk about in a bit. But um, some fucking PC nerds like listening to this, being like, "You have no idea what shareware is." Beep, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> well, I think it's good to uh, you know get a right in it, right in and correct me. Yeah, do it. I'm, I'm happy to be corrected. Do it. Shareware, basically, it was free. A bit of it was free. There you go. So uh, the team that set up its software then, they um, created a, a game engine called The Engine, um, which they licensed out to other developers to use, and that became a bit of a model for the company going forward. Um, and then in 1992, they released an MS-DOS game that became hugely instrumental in the development and success of, success of Doom. And that was, as we've mentioned, Wolfenstein 3D, which, what a game. Um, good good game series, actually. There's a lot of good games out under the Wolfenstein brand. Um, Wolfenstein's produced recently more like more is, um, iterations than Doom has, isn't it? Doom's had two modern games in 2016, 2018. But Wolfenstein's had loads, yeah. Wolfenstein's had loads of, that have generally fared pretty well. I think Youngblood was was wank but new colossus was supposed to be good yeah reboot of wolfenstein was good the original wolfenstein frankly is not very good at all now Mm. it doesn't hold up in the way that doom does yeah there's a a few um holdups which they corrected in doom which they they hadn't done in wolfenstein so yeah that's probably right well it it looks like a little bit more of a first person dungeon crawler you can tell that they're 2d graphics in wolfenstein right yeah yeah like you can tell that every every scene is just like it's fake 3d and you can tell Mm. Yeah, it's the sort of things that they 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 brushed up on in in Doom. So, uh, Wolfenstein, you play as an ally during World War Two, and you have to escape a Nazi-ridden castle, um, including Mecha Hitler. It was, yeah, it was it was a huge success at the time though, because it was still you know a really solid game when it came out. It sold about two hundred thousand copies uh, by '93, so a year after it came out. So, big success for the company. Probably um, actually more important than Doom. Well, in terms of the ideas behind it, yeah, certainly. Um, but it was this that Carmack, one of the guys that set it up, really, he wanted to refine those rough edges that were present in Wolfenstein. And that's when he went on to, to look into some more ideas um, into what he could bring into Doom. So he wanted to have better lighting and textures, better level design with multiple tiers, vertical tiers, um, and some truly 3D elements to set it apart. So- and the textures in Doom, actually, I wanted to call this out on one of the design things, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. But I was reading back through the review I wrote for this, and I just said that, like, the textures in the game are really kind of unsettling. Yeah. And when you mix up with some of the other environmental things and music and stuff, there's like a really sinister feel to Doom that Wolfenstein never got. Mm. Wolfenstein's like, oh, it's a castle and we need to put a bad guy. Like, who are the worst bad guys? Nazis. Okay. And what what makes Nazis worse? Hitler with (laughs) robot arms. (laughs) Like, it was basically like a drunken conversation. Whereas Doom does have this kind of much more character to it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it sets the tone. And Wolfenstein's really well. just fucking blue. Like, why is it so blue? <laughs> well, Doom is, it, it gives you a sense that you're somewhere alien that's sort of, you know, it feels like you're worlds away from anywhere that's. that's it's alien, haunting. but it also feels demonic as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They've, they've nailed because although the it's of set, the game. Yeah, although it's set on Mars or on one of the Martian moons, moons or whatever. Yeah. Although it is set as an outspace title, it has that demonic feeling. Like other things that capture that for me in some ways is Dead Space, but not as much because Dead Space is aliens. But things like that and Event Horizon and mm. that it's got a supernatural element to it. 
Man, we should cover Dead Space on this because I fucking want to cover Dead Space. I have a big juicy PS3 sitting right here. Do you ready, ready to receive the oh. Dead Space? <laughs> but when we do modern games, like we're going to intersperse modern games into this, and there's some absolute fucking must gets. Dead Space is one of them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think Catherine is going to be one of them, and I think the, uh, the original Dark Souls is going to be done, and that's going to be the first one of the big bad boys we do. <sighs> Some good games. You're gonna put your sweaty hand in your pocket and buy the remastered version. Though. I will. My sweaty hand. Your sweaty <laughs> grabber. Must count up my shekels and <laughs> yes, distribute some. Uh, so initially, with the ideas for the game that Carmack uh, had, sorry, were um, that he wanted to develop an alien star title. Um, what a license that would have been for them! But he found that their creative <laughs> license to to produce it would have been severely limited by um by the owners of the ip so it would have been a bit of a stumbling block so yeah because by creating your own ip you can just do whatever the fuck you want exactly so what he did instead was he made something which was heavily inspired by aliens and also heavily inspired by evil dead 2 which we talked about on the unplugged show um and you really do get the sense of of those two being massive influences in this game but also interestingly they had um a game of dungeons and dragons going on at the moment at the time uh, in the studio and uh, the dev team had just lost a playthrough where demons had invaded their game and so that heavily inspired what was going on in doom so this is after crazy. like eight glasses of mead carmax like and behold it is a caco demon <laughs> exactly that yeah yeah it's sort of crazy shit but um so they used we to should be... do. You know, you know what would be funny is if we got me and Ken, maybe some others, and we should like stream a D and D campaign. Oh Christ! I I mean, I have no idea what I'd be doing, but yeah, why not? <laughs> It'd be fun. I, I can DM for you. It's I'm I'm a terrible DM, but I I just crack up laughing all the time. <laughs> it gets wild. Yeah, I'm well down for doing that. Yeah, why not? And you know what? What's funny is you drink when you're doing it. So by the end of one like session you're all like laughing and you're drunk and you're being wild and stupid and really into it yeah cause... and then at the, at the start of the next session when you pick up a bit and you're all sober you all feel a little bit silly <laughs> i cast and you're all my there, spell like... of doom on you <laughs> yeah basically and then then you have to you have to get a couple of cheeky chasers in first to get into the <laughs> to you know lube up the the old humor bone, Fucking the old funny bone. don't they last hours as well the games. Uh, some people play D and D for years. Fuck, really? Okay. Like, if you buy, like, we're getting very sidetracked. But say you bought the starter set, you're looking at like five or six evenings of play, like Shit. three hour sessions. Okay. They're very, well, very funny though. I say we do it. I say we all get together when we can, when this damn lockdown ends, and actually do it in the same room. Get smashed. Mm. What we're going to get? A, have a week away together? Yeah. Just play Dungeons we'll, and Dragons for a week. We'll all over go, go over to Ireland. And Live stream stay, it. <laughs> stay at Ken's house. <laughs> all right, let's do it. Let's get Sorry. back to this. So uh, they used uh, their engine, the ID Tech One engine, to create tech. Id tech. Sorry, yes, Id Tech. Fuck's sake. Fuck, back fuck. Start it. again, start fuck. again. Can we start again, yeah. Uh, so they created texture mapping and lighting that hadn't actually been seen in, in PC games before it. So they... They did some things in the development of this game which were hugely ambitious. Um, and you see that throughout the game where the lights go on, flicker on and off, and you've got different textures across the different maps that you encounter. It's it's impressive stuff for the time that it came out, I think. Um, and <laughs> this is quite a funny thing. So Tom Hall, uh, one of the designers, he wrote an elaborate specifications 
document called the Doom Bible. But basically, it featured so much stuff in there that the other guys were like, nah, this is absolutely ridiculous. This is shit. And he just, he got sacked, basically. Because it was... <laughs> oh, right. Fuck off, Tom. Yeah. Man. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you wrote here, I'm just gazing at your notes, because mm. regardless of what people think, we don't do all this from memory. Of course not. I mean, I'm so... F- fucking My memory's fucked anyway. Ridiculous. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't really have a memory anymore. That's why I do these old games, because that's like the last thing I can remember. Because <laughs> <laughs> everything since 95 is just fucked. Um, <laughs> you put the designs kept simple, so the speed of the game could be maintained, and I think that's Doom, isn't it, in a T. It's fast. Oh, man, yeah. Yeah, it's pure, just an adrenaline rush, isn't it, Doom? It's like, and that's, that's reflected in the new ones as well. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, so. that's like the, that's like the, the main thing. Yeah, about Doom is it's fucking fast, and there's no like, it's steeped in these old school sensibilities. Now, when you play it, where you like you're circle strafing, blowing enemies to hell, you're not zooming down sides, you're not covering, ducking behind cover, you're dodging, jumping, not jumping so much in the first one <laughs> at all, um, <laughs> just running around and. And getting a drop on enemies and being faster than them. Mm, exactly, yeah. It's and it plays like a fast platformer plays, but it's a shooter. It's 100 miles an hour all the time in Doom. Um, you're never really stopping to think about what you're doing. Um, so some of the new design features that they wanted to bring in uh, to improve on what they'd done in Wolfenstein was altitude differences. So uh, they wanted to have varying levels to their to their maps, which which you can see. Um, you've got like br- uh, bridges and you've got lifts and things. Yeah, but weirdly, you don't aim up and down. It auto aims vertically, doesn't it? You aim left. You you swing round on the x axis, but your projectiles will automatically go up yeah. or down to hit dudes, which is fine. It's weird going back to a game that doesn't have a vertical axis, though. I was like, it threw me a little to start with because I've forgotten that's the case. Yeah, no jump, no vertical axis. Mm. Quite. Yeah, very strange. Um, so they brought in full texture mapping on all surfaces, um, varying light levels, uh, a less static architect- architecture than the Morphous design had. Um, as I said, they got platforms that move up and down. Floors can be lifted sequentially to form staircases, bridges that can raise. Um, there's lots of lots of stuff where you go and find these secret rooms, click a button, and like a door will open over there or a platform will come up and, and stuff. So there's a lot more interaction to finding your way around the maps. I didn't realise, sorry, I'm just catching up with you on the notes, that the guns were modelled on guns from Toys R Us. When I was a kid, I never once went into a Toys R Us and saw a big fucking gun. (laughs) (laughs) They must have had some different shit where they were from. Yeah, nor did I. (laughs) And to to be honest, like, did you ever even see a chain gun in Toys R Us? I never saw it. it. You get the super soakers and shit, but like, I don't believe that the guns were modelled on Toys R Us. Guns at all. I mean, I may fact check this at some point. You, you, you mentioned here the soundtrack as well. Mm. And that's something that I picked up on when, when I reviewed the games, that the soundtrack adds to that kind of sinister, malevolent like feeling of the game. Because it is like a metal kind of thing, but it's not. It's also industrial and synthy. It's a weird just, soundtrack. Just like overbearing. Yeah. But then also they, they don't, they use it quite restrained. I take the boss of the first world, the the mm. Barons of Hell. When you play them, the soundtrack just dials itself right back down, and it's not like really fast paced. It it takes all of the kind of fanfare out of what you're doing. It's clever, isn't and, it? Yeah, it's just actually 
to make a Dark Souls comparison, it reminds me of the Gwyn fight at the end of Dark Souls 1, which you will experience at some point. Yeah, yeah. But that that has a kind of an anticlimactic soundtrack to that boss fight that's kind of a bit melancholic. And I just think the sound's used very cleverly here. Well, that, that brings in the whole, well, doom, really, because it's almost as if it's a hopeless battle type thing because you've not got this overbearing, like, da 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 soundtrack to it. It's almost as if it's a like a... You know, yeah, you start off with that, like, yeah, yeah, it's like that to start, but then you get into like the end bosses, and it's more like, exactly, yeah, yeah. I put in my review, I was being a bit poetic, but Doom deserves praise for the sinister underlying creepiness that permeates the entire experience. Outside the gore and monsters, the game is playing unsettling. The combination of weird textures and foreboding music creates a somber sense of dread to this day, exactly. Yeah, and I think that's absolutely spot on, Tom. Yeah. It feels fairly hopeless as if you had never had any chance of winning. Exactly. Yeah, that's the point I was trying to make is that you, you just get this sense of like, oh, shit, it's, you know. And that's why I said that it captures the whole demonic thing on top of the aliens thing. Because if it's just aliens, they're just flesh and blood, it could be an action movie. Yeah. Like, you're just fucking killing them. But with demons, it adds that layer of like, well, can we really beat them? Like, or is this just the end of the world starting? Yeah, exactly. So it's 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 a little bit more foreboding than just blasting away at these you know creatures, um, you know aliens, whatever. That there's more to it than than that. So yeah, absolutely. And the music really adds to that. So I think Doom um, as a closing point on the background to it, it's it's a seminal release for the FPS genre. It really helped define what we know today. So it's it's an absolutely huge title in in gaming history. So. We have a technical blip there, Tom. Blip? A blip. A blip, a blip good sir. <laughs> we are back. We are back. Show so. me your blip. It's not like us to, you know, do things unprofessionally on this show, is it? Fucking Apple. Everyone's like, they don't get viruses. They never crash. Try well, running Windows on one and then you'll see. <laughs> this proved that on your machine. Story and gameplay is what we were going to talk about. Um, oh, we were. Oh, we were. Doom was developed with pretty compelling backstory as compared to Wolfenstein which had none um, or nothing elaborate anyway so in <laughs> it had none <laughs> I mean it you know it wasn't elaborate Doom however gives you a bit more of an interesting juicy story to get your teeth into so you're on a base operated by the Union Aerospace Corporation uh, you're on the Martian moon of Phobos and it's overrun by demons from hell I go, I go I go Phobos Phobos. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of disagreements on how to pronounce stuff here. Phobos sounds a bit like you're fobbing on someone, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so they have been overrun on Phobos after their top secret teleporta- uh, teleportation experiments go awry. So it sets the scene. Uh, a detachment of space marines is sent to investigate, but they're all slaughtered except for one. It harks back to aliens. It's up to you as the player to fight through the horde of demons on Phobos and eventually hell itself to prevent a massive invasion of Earth. So Yes, yeah, so you, you do go. You start um on the moon of Phobos and you someone has inadvertently opened a portal to hell. And then you fight through the um basically through the, the, the colony or the the what would you call it? Well the uh, what, the, faci- uh, the space facility. station, yeah, yeah. yeah, the facility. That's what I was looking for. The facility on um, Mars, and then you go onto the shores of Hell, which is at the portal, then into 
Inferno. And then, and then the additional level is called uh, Thy Flesh Consumed, which is super <laughs> creepy. Yeah, it is. And the gameplay is what we said before, Ad, it's so fast-paced, and it's just like you're running and you just like shoot a guy, you're reloading as you're running towards the next dude to shoot, especially once you start unlocking the big guns, the shotguns and things like that. Um, there's enemies that fight back, shot projectiles, invisible enemies. Like you, you go into an area and quite often it's a little bit of like puzzle combat in terms of you have to very quickly assess an area and then assess the quickest and safest way for you to move around and take everyone down in like the optimal order without you getting killed. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you've got to like react on the spot and then go on, take people down and more and more with the new dooms. I think they've enhanced that, that kind of, well, as I've heard it called before, puzzle combat, where you're looking at an arena and just going, right, how the fuck do I deal with this in the optimal way? Yeah. I mean, particularly on the, the new, the brand new, well, not the brand new, the one that came out originally as the reboot. Um, mm, the 2016 version. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Jesus. Like some of the, the areas on that, you, you just redo over and over again to get the right cycle of enemies. Because if mm. you do it in the wrong order, mm. you're fucked. I know there are. This probably is true for later parts of the game. The first few levels are somewhat a linear experience. However, where this falls down, I think, playing it today, and where we see the biggest... Now, we, we have mechanical improvements today, so you can look up and down for a start and jump and, mm-hmm. you know, slide and all sorts of different great mechanics that we expect in new games today aimed down the sights. So I actually think there's a, I think that's a different type of game, a, a, a sort of a shooter where you're aiming down sights and taking cover or whatever. Call of Duty, this is not. No. no or even absolutely. Gears or anything like that. But what, what where it falls a little short, I think, is that all the levels are essentially mazes. So they're all quite small areas. If you could just go from A to B and B being the exit, you'd get through them all very, very quick. And that's obviously down to technical limitations of these maps. So what they do is the maps intertwine with each other and you have to find a key card to unlock a certain door to then find the next color key card to unlock a certain door. That's great, but it can get to certain points of the game where it's very, very easy to get lost and not know where you need to open. And when you have gone from this super fast pace, like blast this guy, blast that guy, grab the great grab the red key card, go for the red door, shoot these motherfuckers, get the blue card, da, 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 to a point where you've cleared all the enemies in an area and you're just going around like, oh, fuck, where do I go next? And all the there's limited numbers of textures and like wallpapers on each level. So what that does is it makes a lot of areas look the same. So it kind of becomes artificially difficult to figure out where you are and where you're going. And yeah. I found that to be a bit frustrating. Now, the other thing as well is the dark areas. And when you say dark areas, <laughs> these are areas where you literally cannot see a thing. Uh, so it becomes a case of chucking your brightness up to full to actually be able to, you know, get through them. As black as a chimney sweeps brush. Exactly. I wonder where you're going with that. <laughs> <laughs> I can see the, the look of oh, fear. Oh, God, Jesus. <laughs> you We're going to get shut down. <laughs> <laughs> Saved it at the end there. Yeah. Thank you for that heart heart stopping moment. <laughs> I would right. never say something inappropriate. No, it's not your style. Um, <laughs> gunplay on this though, I want to really touch upon because it feels so satisfying when you you hit enemies with a shotgun. You really feel that impact, and you blast the knockback. The, the knockback when you hit enemies, and they sort of they knock back a couple of feet and then explode. It's like doo, doo, doo. oh, it's like when you hit them with a chain gun. You can hit like hear the multiple hits 
embed into their like bodies. It's it's in, it's so good for the time how they managed to get that feel of the impact of your weapons. So yeah, kudos to the dev team on that because it's it's awesome. Um, yeah, one of the best bits. Of the, well, I think the best bit of the game is the gunplay. That you know, the shotgun man, like it's so epic. Hell yeah, a big bang stick. It's it's awesome. Um, and again, you can see those Evil Dead influences coming in there with obviously Ash with the shotgun. Um, Just the, the like the design of the demons and everything as well. That stops stop motion animation style. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so the weapons you get throughout the levels, you've obviously got your fists, which actually can be quite effective. So you've got like a knuckle. Especially once, especially once you pick up the like, there's a there's a, a berserker or inferno fucking mode or something where you you pick it up and then. Your fists could kill everyone with one shot. Or am I thinking Duke with steroids? I mean, that's definitely on Duke. No, uh, I might be. Saying, and when I'm like, they're not even similar games. And I'm just <laughs> five minutes later, confuse the two. But they, they are pretty effective anyway if you do run out of ammo. Um, you've got, which you shouldn't because they're shitloads. Um, you've got a pistol, shotgun, chain gun, rocket launcher, plasma gun, and then the BFG 9000, which is... The big fucking gun such 9000. A good name for a gun. So what's it do? What is it? What's your favorite? What's your favorite gun? For me, shotgun all day. I absolutely love the way it just the impact of the weapon. It's so good. How about you? That's it. The shotgun. I think it's the, the, one of the best games in all of one of the best weapons in all of gaming history. Mm. Yeah, 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 definitely. The the BFG is kind of cool because it just shoots this big ball of like death. Fucking yeah, basically <laughs> big ball of death. What what is your favorite gun? in video game history? Oh, that's a big question. I haven't even thought about this. You put me in the spot now. Um, I don't know. I don't know. In FPS or just in general? Just in general. Well, I'll come back to you on that because I don't know. What's yours? I'm going to nominate two. I'm going to nominate the Cerebral Ball from Terminator. Oh, yes. <laughs> I forgot about that. Or, or the Ion Painter from Unreal Tournament. Nice. And that's where the the ion painter. You do you know this one? Yeah, yeah. And you paint you paint like a mark on them, and it summons this like satellite gun. Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) Blast them! I think they they are my top two weapons of video game. You've got some classics with like the chain the chain gun from um from fucking what's it called Gears of War. Tell you what, I liked was the um. What's it called? Is it a railgun in uh, Perfect Dark where you can shoot through walls? Oh, yeah. That, yeah, was, that cool. was cool. I don't know if it was called the railgun, but yeah, the one that had like the x-ray ship. Yeah, yeah. That was a cool gun. Um, and the crossbow. That was that's very cool. cool. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe that actually, because that, uh, that was good in LAN parties. But the shotgun from Doom is right up there. Hell yes. Hell yes. There's a number of other power-ups uh, in the levels you can pick up as well. Uh, you can get a backpack which increases your ammunition capacity. Uh, armor, medical supplies, and strange alien artifacts, which can either turn you invisible or boost your health. And you can also pick up like a hazmat suit as well, um, which protects you from the green goo stuff <laughs> that's on the floor, the hazardous materials. Enemy types. Tom, talk us through these. Well, you got the human types, former human, former sergeants. They've been like possessed or some shit. Then there's the imp that looks like a fella we used to drink in my local, actually. <laughs> Just chattering away, looking a bit hench. Got big spikes on his shoulder. I didn't know the names of all these bros, I except either. the caco demon, which we'll get to. Um, but the the demons, I always called the pig monsters. Yeah, you can see why. 
um because they're kind of like just these like fucking massive pink things horrible flesh and the invisible version of them then the barons of hell they're the first boss on the game aren't they they're very very cool you have to fight two of them at once that's the one i was talking about where the the kind of foreboding music comes out and it's not really what you'd expect for boss music yeah. this is the end of the shareware portion of doom one they come out of these like two toilet cubicles and they're like minotaur type things um and they're pretty they're tough man they're really tough they want yeah out. they they throw green sludge at you yeah, I, I struggled with those, if I'm honest, on my recent playthrough, and I just thought I stopped because, like, now nah, I've got I got killed so many times. They um, a couple of most iconic ones on the list here: the Lost Souls, which are the flaming skulls that fly at you. They're very, very iconic Doom enemy, mm-hmm. and then the the Caco Demon, which is the big, like, grimacing, grinning, floating mouth eyeball, <laughs> spiky misery machine. It's a horrible looking thing, but that's like the cover art demon for um for doom i think for ultimate doom especially well it's actually the the icon for ultimate doom when you install it i noticed i was like that's a fucking cool icon yeah it's yeah. Like instantly recognizable yeah man it's yeah it's, it's horrible <laughs> and then the, the other two bosses you got in this are the cyber demon which was the original boss of doom one who's like yeah he's also like a minotaur thing but he's got these prosthetic like metal leg and a big gun attached to his arm he's got like biomechanical pipes coming out of him in these massive horns a bit like predator. and then we're... he's a bit like predator mm, yeah it looks a little, you know he's got his you know i i disagree fair enough but we, we shall move on and then there's the spider demon which is basically krang off the teenage mutant ninja turtles <laughs> oh yes it is Shredder! <laughs> they followed me again, turtles. <laughs> I'll get you. But he's got spider legs. He has. And just to think, Krang was behind this whole thing. <laughs> Who yeah. is the name of the guy that Krang was in the stomach of? Oh, fuck knows. Does anyone know that? Is that a... no idea? Krang. I'm going to look that up. Talk us through the rest. Krang. Like, what were they calling? I don't know. Krang Carrier. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what I typed. I don't know. What is Krang's body called? Here you go. Bubble Walker? No. What the no, fuck? we'll 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 do an episode on a Turtles game and we'll cover it then. I like Bebop and Rocksteady there with my boys. Hell yeah. Do not feature in Doom, unfortunately. So anyway, that's the levels, enemies, and things you come across. And again, we haven't gone way deep and done like a full descriptive walkthrough of I the levels because everyone knows i don't think we need to once you've played doom you know what it's about um like just go and and play it again because like as you go through the levels it goes less factory looking and more demon looking pretty much that's it yeah exactly and and the feel of the game is the same throughout they they don't bring any hugely changing mechanics to the game you get different guns and stuff like that but it's you know essentially guns the same all the way through so yeah um, there's some multiplayer modes, uh, most famously uh, played over LAN. Um, there wasn't online, but I think most people remember this for like LAN parties and things like that, won't they? Uh, when it came out. So um, a big game in the formation of competitive multiplayer. Um, so at the end of the game of the first... I don't game, think that Doom, though, was the one that was like the multiplayer game. No, but it certainly, I think, helped it, bring it forward. I think, no, definitely. But I think where we got those explosions were things like Unreal Tournament. Mm. Oh, man. what Another game I really want to look at as part of this. There's got to be some way to play that online as well, because I'm not doing that unless we can play multiplayer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. God, I absolutely love that game. We, I remember playing LAN parties at Colin Hancock's house 
uh, on Unreal. Absolutely brilliant. Colin Hancock came on our show. He did. Not this show. He came on no. the uh, Happy Hour Gaming podcast. So he did. Episode a, 5, check it out. Bit of a font of gaming knowledge is Colin. So, uh, reception, Tom. Let, let's talk about reception of the of the game. So, um, I think largely the the reception to Doom was that it was highly praised. It was named Game of the Year by PC Gamer in 1994 and by Computer Gaming World. It received an award for technical excellence from PC Magazine, best action adventure game from uh, the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences. So it was pretty well lauded when it came out. Um, and probably rightly so, really, because it, it was a bit of a technical technical jump for games of its genre. Yeah, it would known for... Like, I think, somewhat unfairly, though, it had a really, really praise for the technical achievements, and you hear less about the artistic achievements of the game. Mm. And I think that Doom stands up from a design point of view as well. Today, you mean? Well, definitely at the time. Today, it's a dated game, but you can still see that there was a lot of good design work that went in there. As I said, the atmosphere was really good that the whole thing worked well together, but people do always bang on about it being, oh, it's the id engine. It's kind of like, I guess post Doom 3, people really bang that drum. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right there. Um, and by 95, the shareware version was estimated to have been installed on more than 10 million computers. So, you know, it was a popular game. Um, I think that shareware model's really, really clever. Um, so I want to look at some of the, some of the reviews that it did have. So Computer Gaming World stated in February 94 that Wolfenstein 3D fans should look forward to a delight of insomnia. And since networking supported, bring along a friend to share in the visceral delights. So <laughs> some, some strong words there. Yeah. Um, Edge uh, criticized the fairly simple gameplay, but praised the graphics and levels. Uh, they concluded that you'll be longing for something new in this game. If only you could talk to these creatures, then perhaps you could try to make friends with them, form alliances. Now, that would be interesting. What the fuck were they on? <laughs> I kind of fucking moron wrote that. <laughs> I don't know. I just... Just want to t- I just want to talk to them. <laughs> I want to be friends with the Kako demon. <laughs> Do we need... Why are we fighting? Can't we just live in yeah, harmony? F- fucking tree-hugging hippie. <laughs> so the sentiment attracted widespread mockery as we just... We just lumped on it as well. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that. <laughs> it became a running joke in gamer culture. Um, but yeah, so, someone in 2016 in the International Business Times defended the review as anticipating the dialogue systems of such games as Skyrim, Mass Effect and Undertale. Bullshit. <laughs> Absolute horseshit. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Fucking bullshit. Sorry. That's just people trying to sound clever. <laughs> it's funny, though. Uh, in 94, PC Gamer UK named Doom the third best computer game of all time. They wrote that, although it's only been around for a couple of months, Doom has already done more to establish the PC's arcade clout than any other title in gaming history. Mm-hmm. So they named it Go- uh, Game of the Year as well uh, in 1994. Doom Goom of the Year. 1995, Next Generation said it was the most talked about PC game ever, and with good reason. It's running on a 486 machine, essential for maximum effect. Doom took, I don't know what that means, PC graphics to a totally new level of speed, detail and realism, and provided a generally scary degree of immersion in the game world. So I think that... I think it was scary. Doom was scary. 
yeah, and continue to be so throughout the titles that they released. You know, we talked about on the Unplugged show, but Doom 3, that's a scary game. Um, and I'd go back and play that again and still probably be a bit like, oh, I'm not sure. I'm going to, when I, when I get my gaming PC, I'm going to be um, checking out Doom Eternal on full, full Zynga graphics. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll do it at the same time because I'm going to do the same. Um, uh, yeah, so let, I want to talk about one other thing um, upon the release of Doom because um, it kind of sparked a bit of a debate. Um, and this is about violence in video games. Like Doom is always mentioned as one of those ones which, uh, you know, naysayers and these people that talk about violence in video games uh, causing real-life violence. And Doom's always one of the games that's sort of brought up in that one with, like, GTA and, and those other types of things. But it's, it's I think it's bullshit, personally. What are your thoughts on it? Well, so violence in video games, I might do this as a, a show on After Hours, actually. It's a good topic. Um. It's proven, factually proven, to have absolutely no link to violence in real life. What I find ironic is that typically the violence in video games argument is touted by um, religious groups. <laughs> yeah. Which is a um, an institution, religious institutions have caused more violence than anything else on the planet in the history of anything ever. Mm. Yeah. So frankly... You have no fucking space to talk. Exactly, and I think that's the thing, isn't it? And I'm not. I'm not saying don't be religious. I'm not saying it's bullshit. I'm not saying whatever I believe. It's not like you believe what you want. But if you're like a devout Christian, a devout Muslim, a devout any religion, like wars have been fought on behalf of what of your beliefs. People have been killed on behalf of your beliefs. Far more people than have ever even been accused of committing violence from imitating video games, so get fucked. Now, the other time you get it is people who are just washed-up politicians and... It's people who well, don't you know. There's the always an thing. agenda in what they say. Like, it's just nonsense. Like, Marilyn Manson also got blamed for Columbine. Yeah, Columbine was... Doom was one of the games that was cited as an influence because both of the guys played it, but oh, bullshit. Ten million fucking people play it. It's like, you know, it's not... <laughs> yeah, fucking... What, so, like, if someone... Kills someone, but they drove a Fiat. Oh, Fiat owners! Well, <laughs> Look at it. But you know what I mean. Like, no one's got a BFG nine thousand. You can't imitate what what's in the game as that we know of, anyway. I, I I I don't. To be honest, that I don't even really want to entertain the discussion unless I get a chance to go really deep into no, it. No, that's fine. It's it's one of them stupid things that like I can't bear to deal with the idiocy of some people it's a deep it's a bit of a deep topic for the that a bit shit show i think it's it's just something that i wanted to sort of touch on because doom is always a game that's that's brought up when i also i don't even know if i can do it as a topic on after hours because i would i'm just so dismissive of the the idea in its entirety maybe you should get someone on who is uh for it and you can have a debate i'll probably end up stabbing them <laughs> because you play video games yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh anyway sidetracked a little there but um Let's, let's talk about Doom uh, from a, a conclusion point of view then. So, Tom, overall, I think... Let's, actually, I'm going to give you the uh, the honours here. Talk to me about your conclusions on this. Where would you rate it on the, the 8-bit shit scale? Shall I pull up my review verdict? Yeah, let's do it. So I think there's there's a lot to say. So I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the Switch version, but it, it's relevant. I said, overall, this is a fantastic way to experience its software's masterpiece. 
The included option to turn on cheats, and this is relevant actually playing on new software, such as turning on the lights, can alleviate frustrations and allow people who just want to see the whole game an easier route to do so. The criticisms above are more complement of the progression of the medium today, much of which can be attributed to Doom pushing the genre forward. For anyone interested in gaming's roots, um, sort of gaming's historic roots, this can be, is an absolute must-play. So what I'm talking about, Ad, is that I did criticise the gameplay going back to it. Yeah, yeah, okay. I said that nostalgia aside, uh, playing this classic day illustrates how far level design has progressed. The levels of Doom are essentially mazes that involve finding three key cards to access, unlocking doors, raising bridges. The problem here is with the textures. We talked about all this kind of stuff. This is a testament to progression. It's not a detriment. It's not, you know, against what Doom did at the time. Okay. And I think yeah. that's what makes it such a difficult game to rank and to rate. It is. Because it's spoiled by what we've had since. It's hard to go back to and play with the, the control system that it's got. Um, as I said, it felt really limiting not having that vertical axis. It, it took a lot of getting used to. Um, like if this was released today, exactly as it is, without any of the historical context, frankly, wouldn't be a very good game. No, it wouldn't at all. But then it's hard to, to say that, isn't it? Because back in the day, it was completely revolutionary. It was... Yeah, but if Sonic 2 was released today, it would still be a good game. It'd still be an awesome game, yeah. So that's why I, I, I struggle sometimes with some of these looking back on how good a game is. It's how good does it hold up or how important was it or how good was it then? Very different. I think we have to take all of those things into account. Um, especially, you know, the influence that it had on the industry, on the, on the you know, particular genre that it's part of. Um, but it, it's, it's applying the correct weighting to each of those things. Yeah. Well, Doom is seminal for me. I think without Doom, you wouldn't have had, you know, a lot of the future titles. Doom 2. You wouldn't have had Doom 2, exactly. Doom 3. <laughs> you know, Doom. You also wouldn't have had Doom 2016. Doom Eternal. You know, all those yeah. things wouldn't have happened. Exactly. <laughs> like, look where the mess would be in. Yeah, precisely. Now, let's, you know, taking uh, into account the impact on the industry, the fact that it, I think the gunplay is, is second to none on this. I think it holds up. It's, it's more the fact that the controls themselves are a little bit shoddy, not the actual, you know, gunplay or anything like that or the it's a little the feature light in terms of its movement it is yeah there's strafing's difficult to do and you know because you have to hold two buttons down i don't like that but uh yeah i mean overall i'm gonna give this an 8-bit shit scale rating of proper tidy i think i will second that just because of the the playing it now feels clunky if you want to talk about influence but well, it's one of the most important games of all time so it is, but then you've got to balance it out, as we said. So I think that's, for me, that's a fair rating. And I think... Yeah. And go play it, guys. Go play Doom, because Doom, Doom's Doom, and it's all, you know, it's always going to be worth playing. And if you haven't played it, definitely check it out, because I think it's an important title to, to go back and look at. Um, cool. So that has been that 8-bit shit show. Uh, and we will be seeing you again next time for another episode of Unplugged. And also another episode of the 8-Bit Shit Show. Check us out on happyhourgaming.net.